When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Franchise Shane Douglas, ECW's original world heavyweight champion. Right now, you're watching the number one wrestling podcast on all of Long Island, Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. The Monty and Pharaoh Show. And you're watching the Monty and Pharaoh Show. Monty and the Pharaoh. With Monty and the Pharaoh. 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 Monty and Pharaoh. Monty and Pharaoh. And Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh, is it Monty and the Pharaoh? Monty and Pharaoh. The Monty and the Pharaoh show. Monty and the Pharaoh. To the Monty and the Pharaoh show. And it's Monty and the Pharaoh, baby. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Monty and the Pharaoh. Oh. What a rush! We've got the future Hall of Famer, that rocker, Marty Jannetty, MJ in the house, and I'm sitting here with two more future Hall of Famers, Monty and the Pharaoh. We're doing that stuff and we're going to rock it. wrestling broadcast monty nefaro only seen here live from village connection network live from rockstar studios and at the desk is none other than studio owner and super producer himself and also co-host of many shows mr jim savali jim how are you buddy good to see you good to see you how was your weekend man it was uh short yeah it was a short weekend i hear you i look forward to the weekends for sure so we got some big news of Village Connection. Tonight uh, marks the time of uh, the new Rated R Superstar. Uh... Hey, 
fleshed out. I'm sorry, bro. It's okay. Uh, we had we had a little a little mishap there. All right, but we are back. I was having a hard time getting you on the screen, bro. Oh, so we're back now. We're back now. Okay, I'm really cool. sorry about that. Sorry about it. I was black. You were black. I was black. Black anyway, is back. Black and back. Anyways, today marks a great time for Village Connection Radio as uh, the Dan Romano show starts tonight at 9.15. The rate, number one rated R oh, show sure. on Long Island. Did right? I mention that um, hell also froze over tonight? It did froze. It did freeze over. Here's a question for you, though. So I've heard Dan be compared to, like, the Howard Stern of Long Island. Right? Okay. <laughs> how, co- how come no one ever wants to be the Rick Dees of Long Island? Or, hey. or the, uh, who was the... Who was the guy that did the New Year's Eve all time? I can't believe. Oh yeah, him. um, uh, yeah, him. Yeah, him. No, I, I might I'm shoot to be. Time. I might shoot to be him. Rick yeah, Dees. But why is everybody got to be Howard Stern? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. But anyway, it's an exciting time. Pretty soon, so, they want to be the, the Monty. <laughs> tune in, tune in right after Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast. Catch Dan Romano. It's an exciting time for the state station. And again, <laughs> hell has frozen over. Uh, everybody's known the past between this station and Mr. Romano, but he is now here, and it's an exciting time for all of us. Uh, I want to thank Aqua Cherry, uh, who sings our theme song for Monty and the Pharaoh. Aqua Cherry can be heard, and you can buy their music on Spotify, uh, Reverb Nation, or wherever music is sold. Straight to the top is the Monty and the Pharaoh theme song, and we thank them for everything catch monty nefaro on iHeartRadio, anchor youtube spotify google play breaker and on channel 115 every tuesday at 8 30 the reduced portion of monty nefaro and on saturday at 115 at every saturday at 6 a.m so for all you early risers you'll get to see our guest who's on which i'll announce in a minute but i want to cover it's a big weekend for monty nefaro so tomorrow, March 6th, 6th, we have Jake the Snake Roberts. Really? <laughs> we have Jake the Snake Roberts, but guess what? No, we really don't have Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, Jake is canceled with us. So for people who are looking forward to catching that show, I do apologize. Uh, it came unexpectedly. and But on March 7th, we'll be seen at the big event. Monty and the Faro have a... Uh, a table there where we've got none other than Mr. USA Tony Atlas and WWE superstar Sonny Beach at our table. And then we return back to the studio where we do a tribute for Rocky Johnson, who passed away recently. Uh, we have Tony Atlas and Pat Tanaka in studio. They'll be sharing stories about Rocky and sharing stories about being on the road. Right after that is WWE superstar Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes is the uh, bodyguard in the NWA for, I believe, Harley well, was with Harley Race and then eventually went to the WWE and took the Undertaker's urn. And by the way, the Undertaker will be at the big event on March 7th along with Braun Strowman and recently uh, added was Matt Hardy. Uh, right after that, we have Greg Ganya in Cern Ganya, and along with him will be the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. Again, Greg was partners with Jim Brunzel uh, with the High Flyers in the AWA, and eventually Jim went to the WWE to work with B. Brian Blair as the Killer Bees. 
So that's what we got going on. Um, it's going to be an exciting time. Um, and Randy, we've got our special guest, Randy Hogan, tuning in via Skype. Randy, welcome aboard, my friend. How are you doing today? Great, great. Thanks. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you, and well, welcome aboard. Big weekend. Yeah, so let me ask you, are you excited for the big event? Have you been there before? No, this is a first. First time. Big event on Saturday and WrestleFest in Albany on uh, Sunday. Oh, so you're doing the major tour, right? That's it. So the big event is a big deal this time around, right? It's, I, it, they've really packed it out with Strowman, uh, Undertaker, you know, Bret Hart. Uh, Bret Hart, and yourself. You are there for the first time. Oh, uh, absolutely. Which is a big deal, right? I mean, you got to have Randomania running wild, right? Well, listen, Randomania, let me ask you this. Can Randomania yeah. beat coronavirus? Are you a little worried about being in a hotel where there's going to be 3,500 people with you? No, not a bit. How come? Tell the fans why they should go and not be in fear of coronavirus. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they shouldn't be afraid. <laughs> I ain't afraid, so they don't got to be afraid. We got a problem. They can come see me. I'll protect them. Do you, well, do you think you'll be wearing... The only items I'm worried about virus is the fireball. The fi virus. The fireball. Fireball virus. That's right. The fireball virus. You do get a fireball, you're going to feel sick. <laughs> So let me ask you: Will you be wearing gloves though during this? No, no, man, you are no. you are quite the professional. No. I think I might be wearing a mask myself. Oh no, don't do it! Don't do it! Had that pretty face? Oh, I'm not that pretty, but you know, I, I got to <laughs> tell you though, I uh, I got I am a little surprised they did not cancel the event. I know, uh, being in what I do for a living, we do a lot of trade shows and things like that, and they've canceled a lot of these trade shows. And I don't know if you heard, I think. Uh, the Schwarzenegger Classic was canceled in Ohio, right? Yep. So, you know, again, well, I'm hoping everything's okay, and I hope if anyone does feel sick, they have enough common sense not to come to the big event, and we'll, we'll send you autographed pictures. So, Randy Hogan, uh, yes, sir. how did you break into the business, sir? Long story short, I've just been fans since I was four or five years old. My grandparents used to take me. At uh, Cobble Hall in Detroit, and I'd see Dick the Boozer and the Sheik and Bobo Brazil and guys like that. Just a fan my whole life. So um, was, I played in a band, and I was working in Columbus, Georgia. All right, hold on. And you in a band. What did you play? Were you playing bass like your alter? Drums, no, drums and trumpet. Okay, good. We had, like, before the disco area, we had, like, a nine-piece show group, and we'd play hotels and stuff. Anyways... Um, we were playing a little Holiday Inn tour in Columbus, Georgia. Every Wednesday night, they'd have uh, wrestling matches there. And I knew pretty much all the guys there, Eddie Mansfield, Wahuma Daniels guys. And they'd stay at the Holiday Inn, and we were playing, so we'd see them. And I'd go up and talk to them and everything. So anyways, I got to know uh, Eddie Mansfield pretty good. And uh, there was Ted and Jerry Oates. Jerry Oates owned a gym there. And trained a couple of guys. In fact, you mentioned Marty Gennetti. He was one of them. Yeah, Marty's been on the show so, a few times. Yeah. So uh, I was managing a restaurant after after the band. I was living down here in Florida in Boca Raton. Closed the restaurant and um, said, "Well, what am I going to do now?" 
And you know what? I would just want to see if this wrestling is it real or is it fake, like they said. What's it all about? I didn't know. And again, back then, when uh, kayfabe was alive and well, it was like a magician. You know, you couldn't get into the business unless you really knew somebody. Nobody really knew what was, what wasn't. There was no internet or anything like that. So I started uh, training with, uh, with Jerry Oates. He, his gym, he had a room uh, in the back of the gym, mats on the cement floor, no cushy rain or nothing. So you learn how to fall, uh, you learn how to fall on a hard floor. And uh, I had some injuries and got out. Anyways, I came back three or four months later, and Ted Oates, his brother, uh, rented a storefront. Now we had a ring and everything, a real school. And I went there and worked for about uh, about 13 months. I stayed just, just training, just wanted to see. Never wanted to be a wrestler. Just wanted to see what it was about. So I went to uh, uh, a school had one match, which was just a student's match, a police athletic league fundraiser. And uh, that was it. Then about five or six months later, uh, I went to the, the auditorium where they had the NWA at the time was there. And the uh, guy I trained with was setting up the ring. So I said, Bill, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, you know, I'm wrestling a little bit with this little bar up in North Georgia, some little town. And uh, he said, why don't you come with me? So I went up there with him a couple times, took my stuff, and uh, got, uh, got in a match. Um, Randy Franklin was going by at the time. And the promoter there says, you know, you look like that Hulk Hogan guy. He <laughs> says, so we're going to call you Hal Hogan. Nice. So I thought about that, and I said, well, you know, I don't know who's going to be talking about. Somebody says, Hal. I said, how about Randy? Says okay, so that's kind of how it was. So I went home, bleached my hair blonde, always had the tan and everything, and uh, and that was it. Just kind of worked my way up through the Indies, you know, for a hot dog and a coke a lot of places, so driving did, four or five hours. That's what, was about, what was Randy Hogan making at that time? Like, what was how what was your pay for a match? Well, if I got more than a hot dog and a couple of cokes, it started out. Uh, Maybe twenty five bucks, twenty bucks, twenty five bucks, thirty bucks. Then you hit big time. And you got up to fifty bucks to match. So wait, so you own a restaurant, right? I've had seven of them. Right. Yeah. So at that time, you own a restaurant. It closes down. You, I, I'm assuming you're making pretty decent money at the restaurant. Then you start doing this wrestling gig. You're like, what am I doing right now, man? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> never thought of wrestling, and then I just started doing these little weekend things here and there at a bar and. And then they started putting me over, and then I got on a uh, uh, on a card where you know, every once in a while they they bring a, a name in, and the name this time in Alabama was uh, Action Mike Jackson. Uh-huh. He was like the self-proclaimed junior heavyweight champion of Alabama for I don't know the last 30, 40 years, I guess. Anyways, so uh, I was doing my semi-main event at the time, and of course he was the main event. So I said, Mike, I says, how do you get on TV? He said, well, he says, you know, I, he was doing some booking for the booker sometimes. He says, I bring guys up once in a while. He said, why don't you just come along? I can't guarantee you get on, but, you know, see the show for free. So we started going to WTBS Studios up in Atlanta every Wednesday. And uh, uh, story, they were short, short guys. And J.J. Dillon said, you got your stuff? I said, yes, sir. He says, okay, you're going to wrestle the... The tag team against the Barbarian and the Warlord. Oh, enjoy. Uh, by the way, Warlord was just in studio uh, last weekend. 
Mm-hmm. All right, that had a, so tell me about that. Were they, well, you know, before we get to this story, I just got to take a quick commercial break, okay? Sure. All right. All right, man, we're back. So, okay, you're up against Warlord and Barbarian. Warlord, well, he was a giant. Oh, yeah. Muscled up and everything. I've never seen guys this big before. And, uh, At this point, you like, man, I don't really want to do this professional wrestling thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I thought I was pretty big, and I was about 230 at the time, yeah. you know, and he's nothing but muscle. Anyways, uh, so I'm in a tag match, and we're going, and uh, I'm Barbarian, and he shoots me in the ropes and says, boo-boo. Now I'm thinking, what? But there's no time to think. You know, I'm full of adrenaline, scared to death anyways. So I want to look good. So I hit the ropes and come off the ropes, full blast, into a foot. A size 14, right in the nose. Broke my nose, blood gushing everywhere. What he did is he was saying, big boot. Like, watch for the big boot. All I hear was, boo Because, you know, Simone speaks with an accent anyways. So I guess they took pity on me, so... Uh, JJ said, you know, you come back next week? I said, well, sure. So I started doing TV every week. And then they said, can you do house shows? I said, well, yeah, I can do house shows too. And then they said, can you travel a little bit? So I said, yeah, I can travel. So that's how that all got going. Well, now, so how does the pay change from a hot dog and a Coke to now you're in WCW? What are they paying you? Uh, they started out at uh, about 150 went up to uh, 200 around there but it was good because they taped three hours and if you were on two to the three hours that was an easy you know they make a couple hundred bucks like well, about, yeah driving you know 45 minutes from home so so you you worked with koloff in wcw you just said you worked with the powers of pain uh you also worked with the steiner brothers right i did sting and the midnight express i did who was the, who was the stiffest who who really worked over the steiners as bad as they say they were um Rick's a bit nuts, so yeah, he he at the time really didn't care that much, and he was just big and strong. Right, stiffest one I ever had was Vader. Oh man, you want to tell that story? He was the one. Yeah, and I think at the time he he just didn't care. You know, no respect for the whatever you wanted to call us enhancement jobbers, carpenters, right, right. Um, star makers, whatever, you know. So ex- ex- explain to me that, right? So, you know, you're, you're a 230-pound guy, big guy, obviously Vader's 300-something pounds. But, you know, a guy works you over like that. You're supposed to be on the same team. Are you back in the locker room? Like, how's that conversation? Do you have a conversation with them? Or are you just worried about keeping your job? Well, yes, you had a conversation. Um. He didn't talk very much. He, he never did talk a whole lot. Um, before the match, um, he said, let me see. And he, he pre- tried to press me over, make sure he could get me up. Right. And I got a lot of the good matches for a while because I could take a fall any kind. Any kind of a bump they wanted. I couldn't care what it was. I didn't get hurt. I didn't bitch and complain or anything like that. Okay. It's a big part of the business when you're a job or when you started. And we're talking about old school mentality with these guys, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, uh, uh, he, he was pretty rough. In fact, there's one where he squashed me on YouTube and, uh, Nick Patrick, a couple of referees came out from the back after the match. Cause they thought I was like really, really hurt. Um, 
but in regular conversation with him, another stiff one that was kind of funny is um, Gary Hart was managing um, Abdul. And we were in Alabama, Continental Wrestling, Robert Fuller, and guys like that, Tom right. Pritchard. So, oh, got a little freeze there. Hold on a second. Let me see. Let me see if we could get him back on. Hold on. Uh, bear with me here. Anyway, I'll keep the I'll keep the conversation going. So anyway, our special guest, Randy. Whoop, here he comes. Is he back? Randy, you back? I'm back. Hey, All right, I lost you. You were talking about Gary Hart. Yeah, so he was managing Abdul Butcher, a very, very nice guy, a brilliant mind at the time. Anyways, Abdul comes across the ring. Now, you don't know if it's coming. You know, it's not like today where they uh, work out the match and everything else. The first time you see the guy sometimes is when you get in the ring. So he hits me in the head with a plate and just uh, pummels me. And stands on my chest and my neck. That's a 400 pounds. Just standing there, hey, bouncing. We we had Abdullah here. I had to lift him into his van. It wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't very easy. <laughs> He's a big boy. <laughs> Go ahead, Fred. A kendo stick. He, a kendo stick. Okay. And he got and he just whipped the got him. And uh, and then of course his flying lad, as we called it. You know, that was the finish. Right. So I got back in the locker room, and again. Professional, common courtesy, you go to the guy, and the little guy, we go up, we thank him for the match and everything. So he's sitting back there with his feet up on a table smoking a cigar. And uh, I I thanked him for the match. He says, you okay? I says, well, yeah. I says, you're a stiff stiff with that. Now, I thought that was really cool. That's the old school mentality. Do what you got to do. It's good for the business. You don't cry. You don't whine. You do it. That's what you get paid for. Um, so that was pretty good. I wrestled the third hour, third hour against uh, Hexall Butch Reed. Uh-huh. And one of his finishers at the time was a bear hug. He got me up, and you could see the welt marks across my back from, from Abby in the first set. But uh, those were probably the two toughest guys, Abby and, and, uh, and Vader. Who would you, um, you consider? Was tough. Who would you consider was uh, maybe your best friend in the business? Of the Dane guys, Name I tell you, I tell you who I always thought a lot of and got along very well with was um, Jimmy Cornette. And through Jimmy Cornette, his uh, Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton, again quiet, but boy, he was he was one of the best in there. Him, uh, Blackjack Mulligan, I, I knew pretty well. He used to coming to my restaurants and that. So they're probably the, the, the main guys that I was closest to. Okay. So you leave WCW, you head up to WWE, right? And I use WWE. I know it's WWF, but I just use I just got... Go ahead. Yeah, just a couple of, uh, uh, a couple of um, dark matches, just a couple of individual shots. Not very many, five or six. What was the difference but, uh, what was the difference in your mind when you did get up northeast? I understand they're dark matches, but working in WCW and then coming to WWE, was it a total transition for you or was this wrestling with wrestling? I'm freezing up again. Hang in there. WCW locker room was a little more relaxed. Um both are very professional. Uh, they're very similar, really, except for the attitude to some of the wrestlers. I found the 
the, the older guys at WCW seem to be friendlier and warmer, I guess, than the WCW guys. Uh, there was a couple of WCW guys, you know, that had attitude, but for the most part, they, uh, they were very respectful and, and um, appreciative of what we did for them. Now, when you get to the WWE, though, they make you shave, from what I've read, they made you shave your mustache and change your name. Is, is, is that true? Um, they didn't, yeah, they didn't want, of course, they didn't want another Hogan, because Hogan was just coming up, you know. Um, Which, by the way, would have been pretty funny if you would have wrestled Hogan as Hogan, but that would have been okay. Go ahead. I would love to. Well, see, that's why... And, and I, I still continued, you could work both places at the time. So when I was at WCW, they continued with the Hogan. In fact, Jimmy Cornette was doing uh, commentary once. And I don't know who I was working, somebody beating my brains out. And Cornette says, boy, I wish you, I bet he wishes his big brother was here now. That, that's pretty funny. So, yeah, so that was, that was the only uh, reference that they ever made to uh, Hogan. But I think why they let me keep my name is they would uh, uh, they would job me out, making them look that much stronger over Hogan. You know, they're not going to let a Hogan look strong when this Hogan is you know right. top in the world right now. Right. So that's basically uh, what it is. Uh, I stayed Randy Hogan the whole time there on TV. Um, I never got any feedback or repercussions from uh, from Hulk or anything. Uh, the only acknowledgement I ever got was when he, uh, he when he jumped to WCW, he went to Disney and they had a press conference, him and Jimmy Hart and everybody, a big parade, like a ticket tape parade. And I was working for a radio station at the time, just had a little uh, a little thirty second uh, bleep on wrestling. Anyways, I was there as a reporter and I was right in the front, and uh, he looked down. And looked again and just kind of like nodded and winked. That was it. That's the only communication I've ever had with him to this very day. Wow. That's amazing. He should give you Yeah, especially he lives an hour from me. That's what I mean. He should give you a little more credit than that too, right? I mean, you know. Back to WWE real quick. Did you work with uh, Rude the Warrior? Uh, Rude, Rick Rude, the Ultimate Warrior, Mr. Perfect? Did you have any uh, matches with them? Um, no. I didn't see the ones I worked uh, Davy Smith. Back in the day, back then, David Boy Smith stuck out. So, I can't. Um, yeah, let's, let's it's at a loss. Let's go back to either organization, right? So you, you know, your enhancement talent—that's fine. Did the stars hang out with the Hansman Town behind, you know, outside the scenes? Did you guys go to the bars together? Were you privy to see what was actually happening in the locker room as maybe as far as drug use or or things of that nature? Yes, yes. I mean, you were privy to everything in the locker room. Um, did I see it? No. See, most, most of the guys that were, that were really over, either there was a few of them in a separate little dressing room. You know, you had a big dressing room everybody was in and like a TV and everything. But the other, the other guys, some of them, you never saw them. I mean, they were the, the, the flares, the steamboat, whatever. They were in the general population like the rest of us. So a lot of it you didn't see. The politics, um, I heard about um, more than anything through the locker rooms. Um, Kevin Sullivan, I got pretty close with him, and 
he was uh, kind of running the locker room at the time at WCW. And uh, I guess what happened is when we were there, when we had the transition from Crockett's NWA into Turner's WCW, okay, they let a lot of the enhancement guys go because it was Jim Hurd and I think Bischoff. They wanted guys that actually knew how to work, not just get their brains beat out. Right. So uh, it was almost like an audition type thing. So it was like me and George South and Gary Royal and a bunch of us. We, we, we kept on working regular with them. And, uh, and Kevin was always in on the, uh, on the booking end of it. So as the guys got to know you, Sting, Luger, Midnight Expresses, uh, a lot of them wanted to work with me because they know they could do whatever they wanted to do and I wasn't going to get hurt or whine or cry about it and, and it was fine with me. So now I'm in tag matches, but I'm not the one getting pinned. Now it's the other guy. You okay. know? So it's just it's kind of a respect thing for the enhancement. I'm not sure long range if it worked that way in the uh, WWE. Was there was there a window where maybe you had heard maybe they were going to give you some sort of a push, right? You know, the way they used to work with enhancement talent and let them start to win a few matches and try to get a few there? No, no. Um, use it up on me, man. Hang in there. Um he should clear up in a minute. So, last question. They, they had a, a you know a couple a couple of guys just had a little bit of fame. Bear with us, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, we got a little bit of an internet breakdown here. Randy, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Randy? Yes. All right. I'm sorry. You broke up there again. Can you go back to what you were saying? Okay. Uh, the enhancement guys. We were talking about if any of them ever had a chance to chance to get a to get a push you know um coming back down here bob cook being one of them we had a bit of a of a push with uh when we had the territories that we had Florida sure. championship wrestling and with gordon Soli and the eddie graham and everybody um up in the fed you had uh, uh gilberg you know uh, throw off of goldberg and then you had uh wcw you had a hogan which was a throw off of a hogan right um uh, Barry Horowitz, you know, who, who one of the mainstay guys up at uh, WWE in Florida Championship Wrestling. You know, he got the strap and got a bit of a regional push in that. So, well, that's what I'm you know, we did well with the independents and stuff. Did you, just go, TV. did you go into the regions and try to make a name for yourself within the regions? At that time in the 80s, you had that opportunity, right? You could have traveled and went to Texas. Or, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, I don't know if the Hogan mystique helped to hurt. Yeah. You know, it helped on the independent thing because, I mean, they can't have hope, so what's the next best thing with nobody else out there, you know, that has a goofy mustache and a bald <laughs> head with blonde hair like me. So uh, I go in, and of course, I, I never said I was his brother or his cousin or his uncle. That was all promoter. They did whatever they wanted. And I said, you know, pay me, pay me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. It doesn't matter. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Sure. But uh, in certain areas, you get popular and people come see you on the independent circuit, man. And I worked for, uh, well, like world class, I was out there a little bit out in Texas and uh, quite a bit of Continental, which, like I said, was the uh, Fuller Brothers in that in Alabama. And, well, don't you, uh, do, do me a favor, don't pass world class so fast. So you with the Von Erickson, the Freebirds, right? 
Maybe yeah, I just went for a couple of matches when Eddie Mansfield was there at the time, and Eric Embry was doing the booking of that. So, so share with just popped into town, did a couple. Uh, so you with so a, you were with Alvarez. You were with Embry. Uh, I guess Fritz had already sold to Embry then when you went to World Class Championship. Wrestling. Yes, yes. So the Von Erichs was still there. I guess was uh, was Kerry still there, or did he already moved to the WWE? He had already moved. Okay, so who are you working with? Just Kevin. Kevin and, and David, well, David was gone too, but so to basically, yeah, Kevin, and Kevin was at his heyday, and um, and Chris, I think Chris was there, or he was too young at the time, I okay. guess, yeah. All right, and what was it like working in that territory? Was was it, as, you know, the stories tell about the Von Erichs or, you know, the drug use, or everybody in that organization, how much drugs they were floating around in that place? Again, I didn't see it, you know. I didn't do it. I didn't see it. I didn't want to see it. Um, you hear that everywhere, you know. No matter what, Fed, independent, big time, whatever else, you hear it's going to be on. You know, and it's funny because back then, you didn't have all the big bodybuilder builds like you have now. You know, you look at all the guys uh, on TV now, and they're all one more muscled up than the other one. Back then, in the olden days, you know, we had even San Martino, and he was big, he was strong, uh, but he wasn't a, a Tony Atlas mm-hmm. type. And there weren't many like Tony Atlas. Uh, you mentioned earlier Rocky Johnson, guys like that. You know. Rocky Johnson, well, he was a character. I loved Rocky. I worked so many shows with him. Can you tell me a little bit about Rocky? He was... As he got older, I think he felt guilty because he was away from his family so much. Good family man. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I used to work a, a show, actually monthly, down here. It was at an auction house. And he was there every meeting and that we got to know. And uh, at this time, um, The Rock, Dwayne, was just starting um, to train. He was still down at the University of Miami. And he'd come up once in a while and just sit in the locker room as Rocky's son. It was nice to talk to him. So we were joking around once. We were talking about how little we got paid, the little guys. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, it's every guy's dream. Six-pack, a ring rat, and a $25 payoff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember, that was his saying. Six-pack, a ring rat, and a $25 payoff. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I want to ask you about a ring rat. All right? We'll be right back. Okay. All right, Randy, we're back. So, um, did you get married while you were a wrestler, or was it before, or was it after you retired? You want to know the truth? Yeah, go ahead. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> Nine years ago, I got married for the fifth time. Nice. Yeah, five. Five. So, um, first of all, what makes a man get married five times? Um, I'm just telling you it's personal like, experience. Who wants to be a job your whole life? So. You like getting beat up. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so when I uh, no, I was not married when when I was going through my uh, my heyday. 
I was single for 12 years until I got married this time. Okay, well, that's good. Why'd you do it? Uh, I don't know. So, My wife's in the other so, room, so I guess I so can say great. I don't know. So the wife is out. So tell me, what was it like with the Ring Rats, being a single guy, enhancement talent, working with these guys? What's the life of Randy Hogan with some Ring Rats? Give me a good story. Well, um, i got to tell you, we usually got the... Uh, um, don't say the it. The leftovers. Oh, my God. Don't oh. say it. Oh, my God. Was it like this, Randy? Was it like Scott Steiner got done with one, and then they're like, here, take her. I'm done with her. Oh. And threw her at no, it's like somebody would want to be with Scott Steiner, okay, or uh, <laughs> Terry Taylor at the time. Okay. And they didn't want nothing to do with her, so then they said, well, okay. So <laughs> how about you? you? Oh, okay, baby. And you're like, I'll take her. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> But back then, it was a six-pack of ring rat and a $200 payoff. That's so. it, baby. That's all, man. So, wait a yeah. minute. I just I don't want to get off this this fast. So, there you go. Girls come up. She's hot for Terry Taylor. He's like, no, I'm not into it at all. And then what do you just come up with? They're like, I'm a wrestler. Let's hook up. <laughs> no, they used to find you. You know, you're all outside, whatever else. Right. Everybody wants to talk to you, even though you're not an over guy. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what goes on in a woman's mind. So, to this day, I don't. You're... Well, neither do I, man. We're in the same boat. So, <laughs> you're a wrestler, and you get married. What does your wife, or your, one of your wives, I know there's five of them, uh, what do they think about your career as a wrestler? They're like, what are you doing? Can we get a real job? Or what are we saying here? Well, like I said, when I was going through most of it, um, I was single. Or I just had a girlfriend. It didn't much matter. Right. Um, Probably the most supportive wife I have, as far as wrestling goes, is the wife I have right now. Nice. <laughs> I'm not even wrestling anymore. Nice. So, uh, but she uh, she she has uh, she has a lot of fun with it. So it's very very supportive of me, and that's important too. But yeah, my age and everything else is not like I got the rats running around knocking on my door anyway. You well, it's not happening for any of us anymore, my friend. That's uh, it ain't happening. You're, you're, uh-uh. you're, 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 we're all in the same boat. That's all good. If I can remember the trim I used to pull when I was younger, it was a big difference, right? So, so if you could change your life, would you still have become a wrestler, or would you have stuck with something differently? I would have started when I was younger, and I would have started uh, with a mission to become somebody or something. So you kind of you know, I, I started. I didn't start until I was well into my thirties, and I didn't really start wrestling wrestling until I was pushing 40 right so you feel so, like you gimmicked yourself out a little bit maybe if you would have came with a different persona things could have been a little different probably so and by the yeah. way but I, but I didn't know all I wanted to know is this stuff real or is it fake I'm a fan then I'm a big fan right now as much as I ever was okay um, of the different uh, some of the different products um, like all the old timers you know you look at how it used to be and how it is today and there's a lot of things we don't like about it but uh, uh, all it, it was a pretty good ride. I'm, I'm glad I did what I did. And I wish I would have taken it a little more serious when I was young and had the opportunities, because I think with the territories and that, there were more opportunities. There was a lot of feds around there that were paying you know, decent money at the time, yeah. where now it's three or four and that's it. Yeah, but you know what? Let, you know, I, I, only, I only jest, right? I'm going to sell your career short, right? You worked for major companies and you, you you had an influence on the business so you know kudos to you and you're a known name so 
you know, we're just, I'm only joking Thanks. with you. So it's, it, you should be sure. very proud of what you accomplished. Let's, uh, let's talk about today's wrestling. What are you watching right now? I'm trying to get into AEW and, of course, NXT. And I flip between the two. And in all honesty, I can't get involved with either one of them. I just can't catch on. You know, I, I, I do the New Japan thing. Uh, I think NWA Power is, is uh, if they hold course, it's probably got a better future. Um, being a, an old guy, and I think the older fans, you like to watch people wrestle that you know. I turn on NXT or AEW, you know, I know maybe three or four or five of the names, but I don't know them. Still, if I look at WWE, I know the, the guys on the roster. So it's easier to watch who you know than who you don't know. That's a great point. I feel exactly the same way, right? There's no storyline. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's, you know, you're watching guys that you like, okay, everybody knows Jericho, right? Everybody knows Cody Rhodes. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, my partner's not here today. We talk about wrestling. I'm not huge into the wrestling, right? I, I'm into the storyline that gets me involved in the wrestling that gets me excited. And that I don't see from any of the federations at all, honestly. You're absolutely right. And that's what you talk to any of us old guys, say the, thing, the biggest thing missing is the storylines, the drama, the soap opera, the, the edge of your seat. I want to tune in next next week to see what's going to happen, you know. Back when, again, I'll go back to San Martino, and I think Flair and Hogan, they were world champions, and they held the title for a long time, and you didn't see them on TV every week. You know, you might see them in your town two or three times a year. Now, they got whatever the 24-7 title is, you know. The Intercontinental has lost uh, its luster of what it had, you know, when you had Mr. Perfect and Steamboat and everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, had them. So the titles are more meaningless. And it's uh, uh, it's a shame. Like I said, it's old guys, we like the storylines. And the storylines are just so short-lived. I mean, how many times do you want to see Reigns and Corbin go at it? You know? Maybe. There's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no storyline to it. You're, you're In the old days, you had like Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes going at it. They go over to territories they go on they'd be on tv and then they didn't have pay-per-views but there'd be a big match uh, say at the omni in atlanta or something and you could follow the story of what's going on from town to town to week to week until it finally builds up and explodes and then something else happens you don't see that anymore um i don't like all the um lack of finishing members i guess you know, back back in the day, God, I guess I am old. Um, <laughs> but if you did if you did anything off the top rope, a cross body, you know, a, a drop kick, anything off the top rope, man, that's a finish. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's it. You hit it. Now they're doing DDTs. They're doing stuff off the top rope. They're doing flips. They're going through tables and everything, and they're not finishing maneuvers. And somebody's got to finish, like the Undertaker or somebody else, and they're kicking out of it two or three times. Once a guy got, got you in a finish in the old days, that was a finish. You didn't kick out unless you were building you up for a big purpose and a reason. There's no purpose and reason to a lot of the moves that these guys make nowadays. Yeah. Just my old opinion. I think your opinion is spot on, man, for sure. 
So let's talk about the big event, which is uh, this Saturday. Uh, you're flying into New York. Tell me a little bit. I am so excited. I am so excited. The only thing I'm not excited about is I was laying in the sun today. It was 90 degrees here. Yeah. And it's going to be, I guess, rain and cold world up there. So I had to go out and buy clothes just to wear. I guess my shorts and flip-flops wouldn't cut it. And buy, buy a but, mask. Uh, and buy a mask uh, the big event is going to be uh, well, highlights of my life. I'm sure. So what? You know, Kevin and uh, and you know D, three sixty five and that promotion bringing me in and and they're just treating me like royalty. That's great. Treat me like I was a star. So tell us about three sixty five promotions, right? I have never. I know people say this all the time, but this is the God's honest truth. I have never felt like I was part of a group or a family, I guess, as I have with. Kevin and the guys. He's a straight shooter. I talk to him almost every other day about nothing or about something important. Um, this whole convention thing is, is rather new to me and everything else. So I've got uh, him and, and a couple other guys that are uh, mentoring me, I guess, a little bit. Okay. And I mean, and I mean, I just want to do good. I just want to have fun. I want to meet people I've never met before, uh, and I want to make all of them some money so they have me come back. That's, That's the bottom line. That's great. But Kevin and, and D three sixty five, I think Kevin has taken a lot of chances, from what I understand, in bringing unnamed talent in, you know, indie guys and stuff, and uh, he's really helped their careers a lot. And even me, I, I've, I've been hiding for years and years now. All of a sudden, here I am at one of the biggest conventions in the country, you know, with a, a great promoter and uh, um, Undertaker, Bret Hart, all these guys. I just want to run around and get autographs all night. <laughs> hey, really? I, that's how much of a fan I still am. So. Well, I think I think you're going to enjoy it, and I, I recommend to all the fans to go visit your table. Who's else? Who's with you? Got with you, Randy? Uh, you know Ezekiel, okay, Jackson, and uh, Crowbar, the old WCW. He was a cruiserweight champion back in the old WCW days and stuff. And uh, who else is with us? Velda, through Shimmer and uh, Ring of Honor. Um, I think that's it. I think the four of us at our table. Good, that's great. Well, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be visiting you guys. So uh, you know. I hope so. All right, so any messages to the fans before I let you go? No, just thank you for all your support. Uh, you know, you will never understand what this means to us old guys, whether they're the older guys or whether they were just us who got our brains beat out, as you thought, on Saturday afternoons. You know, it means so much. It's like we can relive our past a little bit, uh, share some stories, and, um, and just get to meet some of the second or third generation uh, of fans that used to watch us. You know, the grandpas watched us, and then the kids watched us, and now the little kids are getting into it. And now I'm going to have some Randomania t-shirts for sale, and pictures, and autographs, and and all kinds of stuff. So it's just very, very exciting, and I thank the fans, and I thank uh, D365 Promotions and anything else that happens in the future. Um, I couldn't be more appreciative of anybody in the business. Well, as a wrestling fan to you, uh, we appreciate what you've done for the business because it wasn't for wrestlers like yourself, uh, the industry would not be in the shape it is in today. And 
It is in pretty solid shape, right? It's a billion-dollar business now. Would you ever imagine wrestling for $100 no. now, what it's what it's worth now? Oh, no. And there were some of the guys, like Triple H, you know. Mm. He was working as terrorizing WCW. He was just a skinny, long, blonde-haired kid. Nothing. And now look at him, you and know. Now, now he's a corporate billionaire. Okay. How does that, how does yeah. Shawn Michaels the same way. Shawn Michaels is just a smart-ass young kid, you know, <laughs> with Marty Jannetty. And just went on to a superstardom. So, well, you know, Marty punched me in the face in studio, so I don't really want to talk about him. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Did you punch him back? No, I did. He took me out, but it happens. You know, I'm just a fat co-host. Um, anyway, Randy, <laughs> thank you. I'll see you at the big event. Uh, Great. Thank you for taking your time and coming on our show. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, you know, you'll be on television in about three days from now. So I appreciate everything, sir. I'm so excited. I'm excited. And thank you so much. Uh, you will know how much we appreciate what you do, too. All right. We'll see you soon. All right, man. Randy Hogan tuning in to Monty Nefaro. Good guy. Good guy. So, again, I want to remind everybody the big event is March 17th uh, at LaGuardia Plaza Hotel. They've got the list is long. I mean, any true wrestling fan who's looking for autographs is probably going to spend about fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand dollars at this place it could get crazy anyway anyway this has been another episode of monty and Afari. you can catch us every thursday from 805 to 9 p.m at village connection radio and uh catch us this weekend where we have special shows out of village connection radio uh we've got in studio tony atlas and pat tanaka then we go to mr hughes then we have the killer bees and I'm very excited for the Greg Gagne interview. Unfortunately, Jake the Snake Roberts had to check out from what I understand. He signed some sort of deal with AEW and can no longer do interviews. Don't really know if it's true or not. Just repeating what was told to me. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you on Saturday. Please see us at the big event at our table. T-shirts where we've got Tony Atlas and superstar Sonny Beach in studio. Once again, thanks again. We'll see you soon.